All right, welcome to episode nine of the At Bat Podcast presented by War Media, where we give you our thoughts on the latest Chicago baseball news as well as take a trip around the league. I am Saul Rodriguez along with Miles Porter. How are we doing, man? Hey, doing good. Doing good. Had a good week in the baseball. So going into this week feeling feeling good about myself. You know, oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, we'll start off right there, man. And we'll we call it Miles Corner. I'm not I'm not <laughs> sure I, I established that last week, but we're gonna start off every every show. Uh, as long as uh, Miles is playing baseball, uh, just to you know see you know your overall stats, but also how how your team did, you know, indiv- you know individual and team wise. So tell us a little yeah. bit about the weekend, man. Yeah, so uh, we had we had three games this weekend. Played well. Uh, first game we won twenty eight to four. The bats just absolutely exploded. Cubs and Pirates, <laughs> Cubs and Pirates style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it felt good to be on the winning side of that yeah. for sure. <laughs> Uh, had a had a great three for four game. Uh, drove in five RBIs uh, in that first game. Uh, second game was very very close against his um, against his uh, Racine, uh, one of one of our rival teams uh, in in the Wisconsin area. Uh, almost had a game tying grand slam in the bottom of the eighth inning, and it was caught right at the fence. And uh, I'll tell my coach had that ball gone over, I would have been talking ridiculous trash around the bases because there was a lot of back and forth that game but had a had a you know great two for five game hit the ball hard uh mm-hmm. I just had one kind of taken away from me <laughs> oh man you do um, you would have you probably would have been like tim anderson in new york i mean like yeah yeah 100 i would have been shushing oh god i've been talking around the base <laughs> hated me um and then the last game we won 17 17 to nothing uh, another three for four game almost hit for the cycle uh <laughs> Had a broken bat, uh, and the bat, like, I swing, and it just snaps in two, and then it's flying towards the third baseman. So I'm watching the bat, and I'm like, oh, no, that's going to hit the third baseman. But it, the, it was I had a base hit, and I was like, oh, wait, I got to run to first. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was hilarious. Uh, oh, so my God. Pretty good weekend of baseball, and uh, I look forward to getting back at it on Sunday against the Blue Sox. So. Nice, nice. And then what's your guys' overall record now? Is it what four and one or five? We're five or and one. You're five, five and one. one. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, playing well, that's playing well right now. That's a good star right there, man. Yeah, that's, all, that's what we like to hear. Yeah, uh, now, five and one is you know what we wish the Cubs would have started off as you know, or both <laughs> Chicago teams in general because it's you know it's yeah, tough yeah. you know look at. But uh, yeah, the Cubs uh, go into this week now nineteen and twenty seven. Uh, recording this on a Monday, so they're playing a, currently playing a doubleheader against the Brewers. Uh, but yeah, they played uh, the Reds. And the uh, White Sox uh, last week, and uh, it was a tough go. Regardless, on both sides of the series, uh, weren't able to get a series win. Uh, the the Red series, I mean, it started off well. They won uh, the first two games, but in the final two games, it was just uh, like pretty ugly. I know that you you were talking about a, a, um, a game where you won. What was it? Twenty twenty? What did you say it was? It was twenty something. Yeah, it was. It was a lot to twenty eight to four. <laughs> yeah, twenty eight to four, right? Yeah. Cubs yeah. lost twenty to five, so yeah. you know that that's rough. Um, and then, uh, it, but I will I will say though this: everyone was like, "Oh, t- the Cubs lost twenty to five, 20. And I was like, "Technically, fifteen to five. Five of those runs were Andrelton Simmons pitching. You know, it don't count, yeah. right?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, also, it was cool. I mean, it's been good to see uh, Christopher Morel play and how he's been playing. Man, that dude is is just exciting to watch. Like he's yeah. it's it's like it, for for a Cubs team that's been struggling, it's it's to have a player like that is like so entertaining. It's it's like a breath of fresh air. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but uh, besides that, uh, you know, against the White Sox, uh, it was cool to see again Keegan Tom Keegan Thompson go out there and pitch a great game. Um, it was good to see Stroman, uh, Marcus Stroman, you know 
you know, really show all of all the sides of his game when it comes to, um, you know, pitching and, and defense. Um, but of course, uh, the Cubs were able to win game one, but they lost game two. Um, some other notes on that. I mean, Seiya Suzuki is kind of facing his second injury uh, yeah. uh, situation with his with his uh, his finger uh, sliding uh, into second base in Cincinnati. Uh, but he's uh, hopefully avoiding the injured list. Uh, Wade Miley is unfortunately back on the injured list, which, you know, which sucks oh, to hear. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, when it comes to the Reds, uh, we'll talk and we'll, we'll go more in depth into, um, uh, the White Sox later. Uh, we actually have our first, or sorry, our second guest of the program, uh, history. Uh, it's, uh, Chris Pennant. He's part of war media, but he also hosts uh, his own podcast called the Skyhook pod, where he talks, uh, Chicago sky, a basketball and also covering the rest of the WNBA. Uh, he hosts that with James K. So yeah, uh, Miles, just uh, tell me a little bit overall, like your your thoughts on the Cubs' week against the Reds in general. Like, what, what did you see? Yeah, those are uh, you know I think I think there were there are definitely little signs that I, that I you know enjoyed seeing in terms of certain parts of their offensive standpoint, um, but you know not as great as we can be. Very very competitive games though. And for me, still, regardless of the score, uh, and you see it, you see the, the that that edge between Votto and 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 the, and the bullpen, and just the the back and forth is going this, that takes place. Uh, David Ross getting getting tossed in the game. Um, you know, I think I think the I love that fire. I love that fire that they that they have and that they're playing with, uh, and they're not they're just not taking it from anyone. Uh, Rowan Wick, who I think, oh, I think has been, you know, pretty solid this year. Um, to see him and Joey Votto go back and forth a little bit, kind of, I kind of, I kind of liked it a little bit. Um, there's, there's definitely a uh, an, an edge that the the Cubs have been playing with. Uh, I think Keegan Thompson is, continues to be solid. Uh, I, I love that he, you know, that you know he continues to have success on the mound, and I see them stretching his innings a bit more. Uh, and so there's a lot of good things to point out. It's unfortunate with Say Suzuki with his with his second injury, and uh, you know I think he was kind of struggling before before that as well. So you know I'm hoping that he has a speedy recovery, comes back, uh, and feeling good about himself. So it's just you know it, it's not it's nothing nothing this week. Last week really surprised me too much, but there are so many good things to you know point at for the Cubs for for Cubs fans to feel good about going forward. Yeah, and one of those things uh, we mentioned before, Stroman, uh, he had a, he had a pretty bad April overall. I think it was like a six ninety eight yeah. ERA, yeah. Um, and then uh, he uh, in May he's had a two twelve ERA. So yeah. it's been a, a nice turnaround for him in general. Uh, it's a mm-hmm. nice confidence booster, um, and of course in that uh, uh, that game against the White Sox, went seven innings, uh, shutout ball, and it it was cool to see him kind of uh, match uh, Dylan Cease pitch pitch for pitch. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, there's plenty of pluses to take out of that week, regardless of the win loss record. Uh, and, and, and Keegan Thompson again, I mean, just how good has he been really? Like it's it, the even the past two seasons. I mean, last year, uh, he had, I believe, uh, or he started last season, uh, with 17, uh, uh, score, actually the first, first 17 innings, he gave up two runs. Um, and then this year, uh, he started 2022 with, uh, 12 scoreless innings. And right now he has a 158 earned run average. Uh, his whip is one is one point zero three, um, and he's his uh, exit velocity uh, is eighty five point seven. Uh, puts him in the top nine percent of the league. So he's I mean he's dealing and uh, he's you know giving it, giving a hard time to the batters. 
Um, and it's, you know, for, for a Cubs team that's over the years, like we've talked about this before on, on, on the show, is how the Cubs have not been able to develop pitching. And even a guy like Egan Thompson, and we have a lot of guys in the pipeline, you know, Caleb Killian, Cole Franklin, guys that are coming up that hopefully will be, you know, a part of, of the next Cubs playoff team that, you know, that will mostly, hopefully, um, uh, you know, led by pitching. Because that's, I think, super important. I mean, we've seen teams in the past led by their pitching, like, you know, like the New York Mets that beat the Cubs in 2015 with Syndergaard DeGrom. So it would be cool to see the Cubs have a team like that, like dominant, you know, from from the pitching side. Um, but also it was it's also uh, cool to see the Cubs actually call up uh, someone else from the minors, which is Nelson Velasquez. I mean, that guy's been raking since 2021. Uh, from what I, from what I've seen and heard, he's got major power. I mean, 32 home runs since the start of 2021. Um, so it'll be cool to see how he fits in and, and what kind of spark he can give the Cubs. I mean, look at and, and I said it before, Christopher Morrell. I mean, what kind of he's kind of been a little bit of a spark for the Cubs in the last week, uh, like a catalyst. I've heard people call on on, the, on um during on during the games, and that's yeah. kind of what the Cubs need, right? It's like as much as the. It's not, not not much is expected from the Cubs to have some kind of excitement to watch the games. Like guys like Suzuki, guys like, you know, Contreras, guy, you know, to add something in there, I think it's good for the fans. Uh, it's good for, uh, you know, the overall uh, morale of the fan base and stuff like that. So it's it's cool to see stuff like that um, in general. Um, but uh, definitely going to be a big week. Mentioned that before we got on. I mean, we got four against the Brewers. Uh, and then five against St. Louis, all at home. Um, but it'll be a good kind of like a litmus test for the Cubs. Again, you don't really yeah. expect you don't really expect them to you know go out there and win these series against the Brewers and Cardinals. But right. um, you just kind of hope they hold their own, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, keeping a you know, I think I think with them being at home, that's a big plus for them. Uh, you know, you got the two best teams in the Central coming to town. A lot of games against them. Um, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, the, the Cubs are better, uh, at home. I think they are a more confident team when they are playing at home. Um, so, you know, I like it. I like, I think it's gonna be some really good baseball. Uh, we might, we might see them get their butts kicked a little bit here and there, but, um, that, that energy in the stadium is going to be there. Uh, that, that competitive edge, like I was talking about earlier, is going to be there. Uh, so many of these games against teams, uh, in the central, if you notice this year, there's been a lot of personal things going on uh, with, the, with a lot of these teams. I, I could, there's been incidents with the Brewers. There's been incidents with the Pirates. There's been incidents with the Reds. Uh, you know, let's see what happens when the Cardinals come to town. Uh, you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch. And, you know, we're already off to a start as we're, as we're recording this, this podcast, this episode. So, uh, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be cool. I think the Cubs are going to hold their own, but I'm not uh, expecting them to, you know, surprise us in some sort of way they can um but you know it's you know this this, this isn't the, this team isn't built to do that yet but they will yeah and it like regardless it's going to be cool to see how the cubs can i guess uh you know if they're able to you know get some wins in these series to see how they mess with the central division uh because obviously these are the two teams that are atop the central division um, with the uh, Brewers and Cardinals, um, just three and a half games separate them. So uh, it, it's always uh, fun to be able to spoil things and, and mess with you know the races. So hopefully the Cubs are able to do that because that it's it's just it'll be fun in general. All right, now that we're done with the Cubs side of things, we're gonna shift over to the White Sox, talk a little bit about their week as well as the crosstown 
uh, showdown over the week, the second Crosstown uh, series of the year. And we're going to be bring in Chris Pennant. All right, here we go. All right, we are joined by our fellow War Media member, Chris Pennant. And you can hear him talk Chicago Sky along with the rest of the WNBN, his podcast, The Skyhook, with his co-host, James Kay, which is available on all major platforms like Apple and Spotify. Chris is also a huge White Sox fan, and here's, he's here to talk Southside baseball. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate you having me on again. It's good to be on, Saul. For sure, for sure. Uh, so obviously, you know, a big series happened this weekend with the Cubs and White Sox, the second Crosstown Classic. Um, you know, it was an even tie, 1-1. One, one. Uh, but, you know, they were, you know, great games, especially with, you know, the pitching duo from Sunday. Um, obviously, the Cubs were able to win the first game, but the White Sox came out with that extra inning win on Sunday. Uh, just be, before we get to that, I'm kind of curious, uh, Chris, on your thoughts on the, the first series of the week last week uh, against the Red Sox at Guaranteed Rate Field. Uh, it was tough. That was that is definitely uh, really tough uh, score wise. But what, like, what did you see from that series? Uh, what went wrong? More of the same. Um, we need an elite pitching performance and just enough offense to get through on the win on Wednesday. Good to see Jake Berger uh, hitting. It's everybody knows, and I'm sure he's tired of talking and thinking about how tough a road it was for him. The two separate Achilles injuries and then having his 2020 season wiped away. And he's had a chance last year and this year to show what he's made of. He plays a pretty good third base, uh, albeit with the one error yesterday afternoon. And he can hit. The man can hit. You know, he's not just a long ball guy. He's not a Mark Reynolds in there to hit a home run type dude. He can put the ball in the outfield. He can put the ball in play for something other than a home run when it's necessary, which he showcased yesterday. I thought what he said when he hit that home run off Rich Hill was pretty telling, being that Rich Hill is a veteran who's taken no-hit bids late in the games. He got fooled on the same pitch right before that, and I was listening on the radio. He was way out in front, and he said after it, he's like, he came in with the same pitch, and I was way off on it. He came in with the same one, and it was a 69-mile-an-hour slider, and he hit that thing about 420 feet. So this is not just a Daniel Palka-type player, you know. He is in there. He's a cerebral baseball player. He thinks about, he thinks along with the pitcher every at bat. And I don't think you see that from a guy as young as him very often, especially who's had to deal, especially a guy who's had to deal with such um, adversity. So really good to see Jake Berger, but for the White Sox overall, they need to figure it out and they need to figure it out fast. They are hitting in a way that they weren't in April and even in early May but they are not getting key hits and key moments and they're still making silly mistakes when they have runners on base. I don't think it falls on just management. I don't think it falls on just the coaching staff. It's a team issue. And I, you know, I don't know how to change it back in the old days. There's a story about the Yankees turning their season around because somebody was playing the harmonica on the bus and Yogi Berra jumped him. And then they ran off like 40 wins out of the next 50 games. I don't think you can do something like that these days, but the Sox need something. They need some kind of weird spark to come from somewhere, whether I would, I was hoping it was the Josh Donaldson incident because they won two in Yankee stadium. And then they come back home and get absolutely thrashed by the Red Sox two out of three. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, man. No. Yeah. And, and I think with in, in that series too, um, 
the whole thing with the 16 runs, I mean, hey, the Cubs were right there too. I mean, that, I think it was like the first time in franchise history that, that both teams allowed 16 plus runs in the same day. Um, in the, you know, or at least I think it was either that, or I think the, I think it was the White Sox, um, uh, allowed, you know, two 16 plus, uh, run, uh, performances in the same series, something like that, but it was still insane, uh, to see that. But yeah, Jake Berger, I mean, he looks really good, man. And I think the, the home runs that he's hit has been super impressive. Uh, but it looks like you're also ready to hit a home run with that, you know, bat around, you know, on your shoulder right there. <laughs> uh, but no, it's, uh, no, it's, yeah, it's been, uh, obviously very inconsistent for the White Sox, but yeah, the hitting, at least like it, there's something, it, I feel like it, they haven't been able to match up like the hitting and the pitching haven't been able to match up. Um, and it looked like after the Yankee series, you know, you're hoping a little bit of the clutch hitting was able to inspire, you know, and it was, you know, was able to carry on, but it wasn't obviously, uh, uh quite there just yet. Um, uh, but, uh, now going over to the Crosstown series, um, obviously lost game one, but was able they were able to, you know, I think it was, a, that was a really good win on Sunday for the White Sox to get, you know, because they kept coming back. It was a very resilient win. Um, it was a, a good matchup in general. Dylan Cease, I mean, could have easily had, you know, I mean, he technically had those seven shutout innings. So it was just an unearned run. Um, a ball that got past Jake Berger for an error. But yeah, like, what did you see in the, in the Crosstown series? Um, like, what what are your take main takeaways? I thought Cease walked a couple when he shouldn't have. Granted, Patrick Wisdom's a good OBP guy. But he had a good outing to bounce back from a couple tough ones, the loss against Boston, and then the loss he had the week before that, I believe, against the Yankees, where he struck out 11 but gave up six runs. He's a key to the team going forward this year, especially the, the, the way that the hitting has gone. He's a guy that has to be not on every single time, but more often than not, the Sox have to be confident when he goes on the mound. And everybody has been, the fan base has been confident when he's gone on the mound so far this season. And it's a well-deserved credit to him. I thought that he was locating well. He was getting some swings and misses, not as many as he had been through the first month or month and a half of the season. But like I said, it was a bounce back outing for him. He's a guy that stays cool no matter what. And I think that he's destined to have a solid, solid, solid year. Maybe not Cy Young but at least in the mix to get some votes at the end of the season. I don't think he's going to tail off or fall off anytime soon from what he showed yesterday. No. Yeah. It was, uh, his ERA really took a hit in that, that Red Sox series. Um, but hopefully I think it'll be, I think he'll be fine. He's still going to be able to put together, um, uh, you know, a good, you know, season in general. And, you know, going into the season, I mean, me and Miles talked about it. I didn't think he was going to, it was going to be this season that he'd take off like this, like, I feel like he, uh, even seeing him through the Cubs system, he always had the stuff, but it was about putting it together. And really this yeah. year, I mean, it's just been, it's been nasty. Even in this, even in there, there's been some, um, you know, outings where he hasn't had his best stuff and he's still striking out like 11. Like it's still, it's been pretty impressive in general. And and you kind of uh, touched on it, uh, you know, in general about like the, you know, the decisions from the team in general, like what uh, has gone wrong with the team, but your overall thoughts on, uh, Tony La Russa and where where are you at with him right now uh you know I think I've I think I've heard enough about Tony as a manager we know that he uh people are going to say maybe his teams just did it for him I don't think that's really the case you know Chris Ronji who I respect a lot said that baseball managers weren't necessarily as important I think sometimes they can get you more losses than wins 
as Kevin Cash showed when he took Blake Snell out in the World Series. But I think Tony's a good baseball mind, a good baseball manager who's made a lot of mistakes since he's been with the White Sox. That said, when he refuted what Gabe Kapler said this past week, I thought that was, one, not something that he needs to comment on, two, just wrong. Tony off the field is, I think, what you would expect from a guy his age. You just really would. There's a certain point in your life where you can't accept new things, and it's very, very hard to process new information versus what you've experienced in your life. So I think that informs some of what he does as a baseball manager, not all of it, but a good amount. And no matter how close of a relationship Tim Anderson and the rest of the guys have with him, because I believe they do, I believe they do respect and get along with him well. And he has defended his guys, as we saw last year in the playoffs and late in the season. I don't think he's the right guy. I don't know who I would put in that seat who's available. I don't necessarily think he's the right guy. He was the right guy in the 90s after Hawk Harrelson fired him. He was the right guy in the 2000s when there was no way he was leaving the Cardinals. He's not the right guy now. No, yeah, and, and we, me and Miles have talked about it too and just in general about like the Tony LaRue situation. I, I, the way I see it is like um, it may be tough to like for a White Sox fan to hear, but I, I, in my opinion, I don't think Tony LaRue is going to be the guy that takes the White Sox to the World Series or at least to a title, I should say. Like at least I, I think if this year, for example, like it, it might be – like I said, a tough pill to swallow in general in, in when it comes to like hearing this, but like if the White Sox, let's say, let's say they don't make the playoffs. I expect them to still, but let's say they don't and they fire Tony DeRusa. It's like a, a blessing in disguise, I think, because if the White Sox go out there and get the right guy, as you said, it's, it might, it may not, it's not always on the manager. It's not, always, you know, it comes down to the players, but I still think it's, you know, that leadership when it comes to, you know, bullpen because i know a lot of people have been talking about the lineup and the decision with the bullpen and stuff like that so i think it, go, it, it has some effect but yeah at the end of the day the players have to do it but i think for some reason there's just something about the tony larusa thing that it's just not it hasn't worked up to this point uh miles what, what do you have to say about that in general with tony larusa yeah i think you know i think coming from a player's standpoint um you know there, there are definitely decisions that he's made that weren't favorable for the white Sox. um but I think to, you know, to his credit last year, this team did have a lot of success um, in, in, in a few ways. What I'm looking at when I'm watching this team, they have lost some of that momentum. And I still think that they, you know, I still think that they are a very talented team, but I think there are still some things that they're trying to figure out in terms of what they want to do. Um, and so my question for you, Chris, is when you look at the situation with Liam Hendricks and, you know, other, other holes in that bullpen, what do you think the answer is for them when it comes to that? Because they, that is, you know, a very, uh, a very big point, you know, and uh, why they're struggling and what they can improve on. So when you look at that, what is something you see that they can do better with? I, I really think it comes more to hitting um, the injuries, the injury to Joe Kelly, when he was starting to get in the groove really hurt. Um, and obviously there's some guys in the bullpen who had bad days, but when you put more pressure on the bullpen by having these, missed chances in two to one games, three to one games, even 42 games, you know, you, you don't expect those guys to be as rock solid as they were even last season. And that's saying something, Matt Foster was not rock solid last season. Neither was Cody Hoyer. Uh, Foster's turned things around to a, a fantastic degree. It's really great to see him pitching well, 
But I think it really comes down more to the offense and then proper utilization of the bullpen in key moments, as well as when you have a 16 or seven to five game that somehow ends up 16 to seven, maybe not putting Tanner Banks in that situation or getting him out quickly. We saw that with Foster in Seattle early in the season last year, where he stayed in three or four batters too long. That was a winnable game that the Sox let go because of bullpen management. At the same time, you you actually you, you put more runners on base and get them in. Some of those four to two games become six to two, and you have less pressure on those guys in, in situations. Jose Ruiz actually showed that he could pitch in tight games early on in the season. I know it's April and the ball is not juiced like it was, but some of his regression is due to more pressure from tighter games. I really think that's a bigger, just a bigger problem for the White Sox than any bullpen failings because Graveman, Hendricks, Kelly when he's healthy, even Bennett Sosa and, and um, there was Banks early in the season and there's somebody that I'm, I'm missing now. I Foster, let's say Foster, have shown that they can get guys out in spots where they really, really need to. You just need to do it when they don't have as much of a load on their shoulders. Yeah, no, I, I've definitely seen the positives when it comes to the, you know, bullpen, those guys that have showed up when other guys haven't like, you know, Matt Foster uh, has been, you know, really great this season. Uh, but also the rotation has been interesting because, or at least what's going to happen in the, you know, uh, in the next couple of months. But I was going to ask you, a lot of people have been talking about how it's going to be set up once everyone is healthy, once everyone's back. How do you see the rotation setting up? A lot of people have talked, oh, what if it could be like a six-man? I think they've said they, they're not going to go to a six-man. But, I, but like, what do you see as the best way, uh, way that they could put this rotation together once healthy? Uh, I think Lucas is, is your top guy. And then you could say two, three, Cease or Lynn. I would probably have Lance Lynn as the three. Uh, after Cease just because he's coming back from injury. And I'm not exactly sure how things will work out. You know, he's a primarily fastball, fastball type pitcher. And playing the teams that we're playing, they're covering the fastball. That's another problem with the White Sox uh, offense. They do not cover the fastball well for some reason. Other teams, I think, cover the fastball better. The Royals got smashed by KC. Uh, the Royals got smashed by Minnesota this past weekend. Royals worked the White Sox over primarily because they can cover the fastball. So I want to see how Lancelin does in his first couple of, couple of outings, and then you could shift the rotation a bit. But you have Giolito, Cease, Lynn, Kopech, and Cueto. And that, I think, rounds things out for me. No, yeah, and, and I think it's been good to see also Cueto come in and fit in, you know, just right. And I've even... I've even heard some people talk about how with, you know, with the coat, cause the Kopech situation, obviously it being, you know, how they're going to limit his pitches. Um, like how uh, it could even be like a Cueto Kopech uh, piggyback type thing. Um, what is your overall uh, like opinion on what, what the whole thing with Kopech and it, it, you think they're handling the situation, right? When it comes to like limiting and how they're handling him from um, as a starter. That's a tough question. That's a tough question. I think some of that might be recognizing that if they do get to the playoffs, it will be a wild card situation if they really think that the team can't turn things around and you don't want to have him push for a team that's not going to make a deep run. And to that point, uh, there, is a, there is a time where you have to recognize who you are. I'm not quite ready to cash in yet, but I 
I've been the most disappointed in the team as I have been the last 10 days or so. This is the point where I'm wondering if they're ever going to find that spark to turn it around. And, and with that mindset, you want to have Kopech pitching long next year and the year after that if you're really trying to hold the core together. So I, I wouldn't necessarily put him on like an 80 pitch limit because you want him to have outings like he had against um, the Yankees. God, that was so good. That national TV game is the Michael Kopech that you want. Attacking hitters, not limiting the strike, not nibbling at the strike zone, making them come after his pitches. And that's where you force the CSWs, the uh, called strikes and whiffs. So I, I would say if you're going to limit him, go 85 or 90 and then let him know. We want to see you going at least six because I don't want to see Michael Kopech flummoxing hitters and then look up and he's thrown 75 pitches through three and two thirds. That's, that's the, that's why I'm not really up on, on a, um, on a pitch limitation, but if, if you're trying to kick the can a bit down the road, then I think, yeah, maybe you do limit his outings. So when you look at this team, you know, you talked about, it's not really the, the pitching that you're worried about. So what about offensively can you see this team improve on? What would you like to see in terms of them, you know, shipping guys out or bringing guys in? What, what exactly do you want to see? Do you want to see Grandal still start behind the plate or do you want to see Maguire get more of a chance? What do you think it is? I think Reese McGuire, um, last yesterday in the extra innings notwithstanding, doesn't give as many at-bats away. Uh, it's funny that his average is so low because I've liked his approach at the plate. He's a, he's a backup. He's a backup catcher. Backup catchers don't hit 280, but I've liked what he's done when he's been up. He's a guy who can handle the bat. He can put the bat on the ball. He can bunt. Uh, he'll take pitches. He'll take walks. I think his OBP is at least 100 points higher than his average, which for a backup catcher, fantastic. That's not a guy you can, I mean, again, yesterday notwithstanding when he just looked completely out of it, that's not a guy that you can go and say, you know, hit my best stuff. He'll foul balls off. For the entire lineup, pick a lineup and stick with it for a week. That's on the coaching staff. But select pitches better. Look for balls where you can foul them off. Spoil pitches. You're not trying to put the ball in play every single time. Spoil some pitches. You better pitch selection. That's the thing I've consistently seen from everybody who is a White Sox fan whether they are the most knowledgeable person out there or whether they are Tim from Villa Park who wishes that the DH was, uh, was not a thing for either league. Take more pitches, be more judicious with your pitch selection, with your pitch selection. That's what the White Sox can do better. Tim Anderson started taking walks because he knew that the team needed the guys to get on base. It's going to help when Aloy Jimenez comes back. Hopefully he's not seriously injured after he came out after his first at bat in AAA white, Jesus Christ. But be more, be more judicious with the pitches that you take big swings at. You can afford to spoil some pitches. It's, a, it's not a lost art in baseball. It really isn't. But the White Sox need to get better pitches to hit so they can hit them hard. A lot of these times now that the, the, they're registering eight, nine hits a game, how many of those are singles? They need more extra base hits. So I think that would be the key. That's the key first and foremost. Yeah, 
you've got to get a lineup that where guys know where they are, know where they they're going to be, so they can think along with that as they go into the game. But choose your pitches more wisely. Yeah, no, yeah, that and I think you know, kind of playing off that, and when you talk about the injuries, and yeah, with with Eloy Jimenez, I mean, I kind of I was telling uh, one of my buddies as a Sox fan, I was like, dude, I I, I don't know. I don't know because you know how they said they they they're kind of he might be able to get here or come back earlier. I, I don't know if they should if he should. I mean, I think with Ed, that type of guy, I think like they should just play it safe. I know that it's tough right now. The offense, I think they see that he probably sees it too. He's like, oh, they need my help. Like I gotta go back. But I don't know the way his his trajectory has been when it comes to injuries. I feel like it's you're probably better off playing it safe. Um, obviously, also it it also doesn't help that uh, Tim Anderson now is out. Um, right. uh, so like. What like what do you think it is like? Do you think that when when the Yankees had this like last year, the past couple of seasons, it was it was they like people called for the training staff of the Yankees. They got a whole new one, you know. Like after you know, after, so like do you, what like what do you think the the problem is there? Like because it it's just it's crazy to me. Like all season, right? This year, it's just been injury after injury after injury. I mean, we haven't seen a fully fully healthy White Sox team. And, you know, with a few months to go, like, do you think they're going to be able to pull that off and at least have, like, a couple months of a, of a fully healthy White Sox team? I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, I think that there is something to that because before the White Sox got to this point, we didn't really see what, what people said, these soft tissue injuries for the White Sox. Some of these guys getting hurt just running out grounders to first base. And you want to see your team – uh, go hard like that. Not every single time, but if it's a close play with the guys that we have that are fast, Robert, Anderson, even Aloy was running better um, in a straight line than he had in his in his career. Why are these guys getting hurt every single time? I, Leary Garcia got hurt in 2020 running out of ground into first base. I think uh, Nick Madrigal missed some time that year for something similar. And it doesn't, it's really not a good look with uh, Brian Ball, the former trainer, coming and accusing the White Sox of being fired because of his sexual orientation. And I don't remember the Sox having injuries like this when they had Brian Ball, when they even going back further, when they had Dale Torborg as the strength coach. So I think there is some validity to that. If the guys that you have aren't doing the things right, and that is something that I'm not. I'm not studying. I'm not studying in kinesiology, physical therapy, orthopedics, um, chiropractic medicine, any of that. But you need your best players on the field. And if the trainers and the conditioning staff that you have aren't doing it, you've got to get somebody who will. No, yeah, it, it's it's really strange and just that i mean yeah you brought you bring up a good point uh with that um situation in general of uh the former uh trainer uh but yeah one more thing on the white Sox uh that we did uh, did want to get around is kind of what do you see happening at the trade deadline who do you have is there a particular player you want to see the Sox bring in or just uh what's their main needs in general uh, well, with with Tim, it, it kind of showcased their lack of infield depth on depth on the forty man roster. Uh, Danny Mendick can't replace. I'm not not really many players in the major leagues can replace what Tim Anderson does for you night in and night out. So let me back that up. Uh, but Danny Mendick is a good utility guy to have who can play in the middle infield, but he's not a guy that you would necessarily want in there every single day. Probably a two two thirty guy with some power. And Larry Garcia is, is being burned in effigy at any given time in somebody's house 
So people aren't going to be satisfied with that. So I'm not sure who you would go out and get as a middle infield candidate. Cesar Hernandez just didn't work out last season. So I'm not sure how confident I am on the White Sox ability to pick talent off the waiver wire. Uh, from in, internally, I think Gavin Sheets is a pretty good trade candidate. He's a left-handed bat with some power who has shown, even though he's very young, that he will take what the defense gives him. That uh, double down the line yesterday with the shift on was, was a um, proof of that. And he's done that more than a few times this season. He did it against the Cubs. It, he didn't hit the ball hard, but he hit it away from the shift. He's a guy who can think about that to get on base. That being said, he needs to work on his pitch selection. Another team might be able to do that. And so he's a guy who is not a major league ready guy, still a prospect. And I think a team would be able to part with a veteran guy who's in the last year of his contract for a player like that. So I'm not sure who you bring in, but I think as a trade candidate, Sheets would be the first guy who I would say, yeah, we can afford to let him go and maybe somebody else in the minors who uh, to get back a piece who can help this season. No, yeah, that's, that, that's I think uh, a lot of people have talked about that situation when it comes to sheets and the type of trade pieces you guys have. Uh, all right, so we'll leave it like that for the White Sox. Now, we'll get a little bit now around the league. Uh, we'll keep uh, Chris on to talk uh, just a, a little bit about what's going around in other on other teams. Like, for example, uh, you know, me and Miles talked about it before we started the show today is a little bit about Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson, uh, that whole situation. So apparently... From what I've heard is uh, 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 Tommy Pham came up to Jock in the outfield before the game. I guess he slapped him, something about fantasy football and how Jock was messing around with players. Uh, I, I think the situation is hilarious. Um, uh, you know, Miles, what did you think overall about this situation? Yeah, I think I think it's it's funny and, and like pretty stupid at the same time. If, if, <laughs> with, with the amount of uh, with, the, with the amount of money that's going around right now in the MLB with with in particular with these two players, you know, it's a very unnecessary, uh, you know, situation that, that takes place. Um, and, and kind of the way that Tommy fam like handled it was, it was a bit comical. So a lot of people that are, that are seeing his response as why, why that happened, people are kind of laughing at him. They're kind of like, okay, well, that was, that was kind of corny dude, but whatever. Um, and, and Jock Peterson is actually a, a really liked guy around the league and, like the amongst a lot of fans as well. Um, so he has that going for him. Um, you know, and, and, and banter, banter happens a little, the little back and forth of making fun of teams. It, 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 fans do, but it is different when it's the players talking to other players about it. Uh, it, it is more personal, but, uh, you know, kind of, in my opinion, kind of a, a silly situation. You know, I think three games is, is just right. Um, but, you know, Tommy Pham has, has uh, he's had some very interesting moments this year in terms of what has come out of his mouth. Uh, so, you know, it's not too surprised by this. I look forward to seeing whatever, what else happens with him in 2022. Yeah, you go ahead, Chris. What did you think about this? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with Miles. Tommy is an interesting character. I, I remember when he talked about... I think it was in the playoffs in 2020 about um, the whole, you know, playing catch with your dad thing. And he's like, I didn't have a dad to, to, to play catch with. So that wasn't, I, I don't identify it with that pretty much is what he said. And I had a similar situation, you know, if I wasn't playing catch with my mom, but she was the person who took me to all the times when I was, you know, bugging her about baseball and baseball games. So I respected him for that. 
but he is, uh, I'll, say, I'll say contentious um, in that. Um, slapping a dude over fantasy football is dumb. Let, let's, let's get that out of the way first <laughs> and foremost. Like, the, everybody, I'm going to look in the camera for this one. Everybody watching the show, <laughs> fantasy football is not that worth it. I know <laughs> the media has told you different. I know the people in your office have told you different. I know your, your girlfriend or, or whomever or the league have told you different with all the emails and stuff that they've sent you about beating your team and how trash your squad was. It's not that, it's not that serious. You are not an, you are not a NFL exec. So if you pick a bad team, Hey, it's all right. So you don't need to go slapping somebody in the outfield just because they said something about your fantasy football team. Like if they said something about your, your teammates, yeah, I get it. But you, you, there's a place to handle that, handle that in the tunnel. Handle that in the locker room. The news will come out. Yeah. But then it'll at least be hearsay. This one, we caught you on video slapping some dude. And you didn't even slap him out. He you just slapped him. Right. Yeah. If you're gonna do it, you better make sure he stays down. Yeah. Yeah. Just make it worth it. Put him down. He just gave him a little little tap. And Jock was like, oh wow. All right. Right. Like, come on, man. Tommy, I, I that's the thing. If I if I have lost some respect for Tommy, it's the fact that he is this tough dude. And I don't, he is tough. He has definitely he has shown toughness in his career, but bruh, get your hand game up. Get your hand game up. Keep yeah. my teammates' name. Sorry, go ahead. Won't <laughs> <laughs> go there. Won't go there. Beat the dead horse, guys. <laughs> no, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if Tommy did that to be honest. But no, with Tommy too, it's like it, it, like a couple months ago, right? I think it was when Luke Voigt. Uh, I think he crashed into uh, I think it was Tyler Stevenson, some one of their catchers. Um, he like uh hit them at home plate, and yeah. then uh, I know uh Tommy said something about like if Luke Voigt wanted to like uh you know fight go one on one, then mm-hmm. he has a buddy in San Diego who has a who has like a UFC ring or something like that that he could like they can go you know fight. I was like, all right, Tommy, all right. <laughs> like I was like, okay, I mean, so I guess this is just another part of uh Tommy Fam saga that's gonna keep continue continue to unravel here in twenty twenty two because. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there's something else that happens with Tommy Fan, man. But uh, all right, Chris, we're gonna let you go on that one. Uh, thanks for coming on, uh, and of course you can cra- catch Chris Pennant uh, on his podcast uh, called The Skyhook with his co-host uh, James K, which is available on all major platforms on Apple and Spotify. Uh, so, Chris, thanks for joining us, man, and I'm sure we'll have you on later on this season. Appreciate it, man. I gotta say one thing though: you not sure. you gotta warn me next time I'm coming on with Miles. So I can do the the Star Lord and get my voice deeper because you were killing me, you were killing me with that man. I did not expect it, and I was like, "Damn, <laughs> uh, this man sounds like a grown ass man compared to me right now." Like I gotta, I gotta come back and be ready. I gotta be ready. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me, y'all. Y'all, this was a blast. Appreciate it. No, man. I, of course, man. Anytime, man. Take it easy. Y'all be easy. All right. Thanks again to Chris for coming on. That was really fun, man. And uh, like I said, it'd be really cool to have him on again later on in the season to see what the White Sox do at the deadline or just in general uh, before the playoffs. And uh, so, uh, Miles, before we close things out, I did want to talk a little bit about uh, the connectors, get your opinion on the new ones that have come out. I know at least the Rockies officially came out. The Rockies one officially came out. Um, And when I edit this, I'll I'll put in a a photo for the video. Um, But also the Angels one leaked 
But what's uh, what are your thoughts on overall on those two jerseys? I know, in my opinion, the Rockies one is awesome. Like, it's probably the yeah. best one, the best Connect jersey. I know I've always said, the for me, my favorite one has been the White Sox one. But for sure, that Rockies one has got to be – it's it's number one for me now. Yeah, yeah. I really I really like the the Rockies ones. I like them a lot. Uh, I think the green is, like, a cool little contrast. Um, and, and I think that's something I've liked a lot about uh, a lot of these city jerseys is that the teams are kind of going outside of the usual color and really getting creative. Um, so I like them. I like them a lot. I like them a lot. Um, I don't, I don't know if I'd put them at my top because I'm still pretty, uh, a pretty big fan of the Marlin city connect jerseys. Um, but you know, the, the leaked, uh, you know, the leaked angels jerseys as well. I think those ones are absolutely fire um, as well. Um, you know, great jerseys. Uh, I love the Colorado. I love, I love the, the numbers pretty big as well, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of cool. Um, I like them. I like them. I think they're cool. No. Yeah. I, lo- I love the way that what they're doing with these connect jerseys. I really yeah. hope, I do hope though, that they come out with new ones every year. I know the Cubs are using the same ones. The Sox are using the same ones. The Sox, yeah. I don't have the problem with that, but the Cubs one, obviously right. a lot of people didn't like, I didn't like. Um, so right. I hope every year, I think, I hope next year they get a new one, but the Cubs I think one just... grew on me. I didn't like it. I didn't like yeah. him at first. I was on Benny J's show talking about it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I, in like a month and a half later, I was like, Oh wow. I kind of like them. They, they just grew I, on me. I don't know how it's out of nowhere. And I think, and it's funny because for me, it's like, it's not even like, like it's little things. So if they would have just, if they would have just made like the Wrigleyville, the Wrigleyville thing, just straight, how it like, how it, you know, how they have Chicago on the away. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah I get that. Like it would have been, it would, it would have been better, but I mean, I don't hate it. It's, it, but it's just, for me, it's just probably like just lower on my list when it comes to in general, yeah. because just because of like the effort on the design too, is like they could have added a little more if they had a little more design on it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, obviously in uh, to a lot of people, I've seen a lot of lists and the, and the, what's last on it is usually the Dodgers one, which that way that was funny because Bro, it's I, really, it's really nothing new. It's just blue Jersey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, yeah, yeah. um, yeah. yeah, so it's, it's really the Cubs have Wonders this year yet. If I'm not no, mistaken. no, they, they just released a schedule this year for, they just released it. They're going to start wearing, I think in June, uh, right, Friday, okay. Friday games yeah, or something like that. That makes sense. Yep. Um. Yep. So yeah, it'll uh, you know, um. And, and at the end of the day, though, I like the connect jerseys because it's it's, it's different from what they have. You know, it's it's a little, it's something uh-huh. different. I like what the NBA did with the jersey. So yeah. at the end of the day, I'm glad they got it, even if I it's not my favorite. So I'm good. Think the Yankees will do it? <laughs> I hope so. I I, I don't. I, I don't. Do. I hope the Yankees do it. I feel like it's not really in like the the Yankee culture to do something like that because they're very hard nosed. I hope they do it. Yeah, no. My my friend, like I've said before, my friend was a Yankees fan. He doesn't think they're gonna do it. Uh, because right. just because it's just the way they do, like just the way they do things. He wants it to happen. Like yeah. he's always he's always wanted an alternate. Like I know some fans have also called for an alternate jersey for the Yankees because mm-hmm. they have a great opportunity. Like they have the colors for it. Like imagine yeah. like. For example, the one in spring training, the Yankees have like a dark navy one that they use, yeah. and it's like that'd be perfect for an alternate, you know. So yeah. they have, they have. I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things, man. Like, I mean, it's like, I mean, the, like the fact that they don't let them grow beards still is just, I mean, what? Like, like the fact that we got, his mustache is kind of sick, though. They, though the stash, no, yeah, and the, like I'm glad they at least let them do the stash. It's better right, than nothing. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. It's it, but, but but unfortunately, if we got if we either of us got signed by the Yankees, we have to shave. And I'm like, oh, I'm, ladies and gentlemen, you do not want to see that. That's like miles. <laughs> it's like miles in high school, middle school. That's a, that's a that's a rough sight. Yeah, bro. I mean, I've I haven't been clean shaven since like freshman year of high school, bro. So like, I don't think anybody wants to see that either. I, I I look like a baby. 
So I'm not, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm good on that. This is the closest I keep it to the face. Usually I used to have it like really big. Now I keep it close to the face just to look yeah, less no, I, crazy. I no, yeah, for real. I mean, right now I got right now it's a little wild. I'm like letting letting it go a little bit, but oh, we'll, it's dope. You know, that's dope. But that's dope. but I but I definitely got. It's, it's, I got like the Jake Arrieta thing going on right now with the. You know, oh like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, nah, yeah. all right, man. So we'll wrap, we'll wrap things up there for episode nine of the At Bad Baseball podcast. Uh, good luck this weekend, Miles. Hit a bomb or something. Hopefully, you get that grand slam this time around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, definitely uh, join us next week and hope everyone has a great week. All right.